Hello, I'm Tim. Welcome to the second episode of our second series of this podcast, where myself and some of my neighbours have been talking about our experiences of living on canal boats during these crazy times of COVID-19 lockdown. One of my favourite things about living on a boat is the very close connection I feel with nature and the outside world. My bed is literally three inches away from the water, albeit with a quarter of an inch of steel and an inch of insulation between us. I couldn't be closer to nature without falling in it. Our small homes necessitate the need to spend much of our lives outside. In the summertime we eat all of our meals out on the towpath or up on the roof. But even the most mundane of things requires to go outside. Even if it's simply to go out to my freezer on the towpath or walk down to the laundrette to do the washing or collect posts from a post room. And as a result, we have an acute sense of the ever-changing weather and seasons. When winter comes, life on the boat requires obvious new behaviours. But add a national lockdown to the mix and it's a whole new set of challenges. This week, we talk to Nicky and John, Penny, Harry and Rachel about what it's like to live confined to a small metal box during these cold days. So, it's all about the fire really, isn't it, when you're living on a boat in winter? Oh, very much so. Very much so if you want to be warm. So our fire, and fires on on most boats, are a solid fuel stove, multi-fuel, so closed glass on the front and it's lovely to watch the flames through that. Always keep your glass clean so you can watch the flames. And you load it with coal or wood, preferably wood that... Uh, you have found on the canal bank because that always always feels better doesn't it as, as long as it's well seasoned and we've got some really good seasoned ash this year quite large lumps and they're burning beautifully i've noticed we are burning a huge amount of coal at the moment you've turned into such a fretter in covid times well well yeah what happens if we run out of coal have you seen how much coal we've got out there it's stacked as got. tall as a man i reckon we've got about half a ton of coal here I reckon we're going through a bag every four days. When I was on my own, and before I had John to keep the home fires burning and gets up much earlier than me and makes sure the fire is all warm and toasty and, and revved up, he's good like that. So when I, when I had to do it myself, it was a matter of waking up in the morning early enough that you could go get the fire revved up because you should bank it up overnight so it's still warm in the morning, but you get it revved up and then be able to go out to work and come back and the fire's still warm enough again that you get it going. People say, is it cold on a boat in winter? And if you keep your fire in, it's not. No, no. But if no. you do let it go out or if you say, if you've gone away for the weekend and you come back, is that, that damp cold? And it can take a few hours to really get it warmed through. When you tell people you live on a boat, they generally say, oh, how romantic. And then they follow that up with, isn't it cold in the winter? Sometimes I do patiently explain that a boat is a small, well-insulated box and it has got a whacking great stove in it and no, it's very hot. Sometimes they follow up your explanation with, but water's cold. And I, with varying degrees of sarcasm, explain that we do do our very best to keep the water on the outside of the boat. Sometimes I will just explain about insulation and stoves and then sort of leer at them and go, it's red hot on my boat. And because I'm quite old, um, me leering and trying to be sexy is quite a good way of ending any conversation, really. 
Now, it concerns me, probably not, maybe not in the same way it concerns you, because it's fossil fuel and coal seems like the worst thing we should be doing or burning. But when you live on a boat, your staying warm options aren't the same as people who live in a house. Wood burning, coal burning stove. Everybody has one of those on a canal boat. And there's there's a lot of uh, talk at the moment for trying to ban them, I think, mm-hmm. because of the, the emissions. Of course, there is a lot of smoke that comes out of them. The, the thing is that there's so many different variations of uh, solid fuel fires. Majority are, are Morse. We've got a villager. And the way some of them operate they're different to everybody else's we have to completely shut mine down of a night or of a daytime so it doesn't run away with it whereas a morse you can just leave it just ticking over a little bit better they are a little bit more controllable i found and some people have back boilers um to run some radiators we don't but it would be a nice idea if i was building a boat to put something like that on but it is all about that fire being locked down in a space that's basically no larger than a large van with exterior temperatures uh, well below freezing um, and being unable to go anywhere but to work doesn't sound like the most appealing idea on paper and yeah I'm not sure I'd choose this but actually this winter is the easiest winter I have had on my boat over the summertime, I fitted an electric heater. So it's a built-in central heating, electric heater. Uh, I've got a timer, it comes on before I wake up. I wake up, the boat's warm. How fantastic is that? What a novelty. So um, this is my fourth winter afloat. And the past three, I've relied pretty much solely on um, a wood-burning stove or a multi-fuel stove. Um, which is still a lovely addition, and I've still got one, um, but is a right pain because I could never make mine stay in for the time I was at work. So I'd come home, the boat would be freezing. Now um, I've got uh, I've got my new heater, and actually it's really quite civilized. We used to have the coal delivered by a canal boat. Mm. That was always very exciting, wasn't it? That the uh, you had to book him in. He came around maybe once or twice a year, had to book him in, and he'd come and he'd deliver the coal in sacks right up against the boat. And I always felt that was really sort of quite exciting to be part of that, but that's all gone now, isn't it? You make it sound like it was 1930, but that was just 2019. It felt felt like we were living in in the 1930s. It was only two years ago. I know, but, but anyway, it has gone now, and it comes on a van, so you just order it whenever you want now. The excitement of that's gone. But anyway, so so coal is um, is an important thing. The wood as well. Um, wood, managing wood is quite difficult, I think, because you you need to have that in stock to be seasoning a year ahead, don't you? And so we haven't got. We're not very good at finding the wood, stocking it, then storing it for next year. We're doing all right this year, but we're we're not very good for next year, are we? When Canal and River Trust are cutting down the trees and doing maintenance along the canal, they very kindly cut them into nice carryable size lumps um, and leave them there for boats to pick up so last weekend john was out walking and spotted loads of trees coming down and we took a whole roof full yeah just timed it absolutely perfect they got them cut i shouted over do you want them they said help yourself i said i'll be round in a minute and yes we filled the boat the top of the boat with lovely pieces of wood which will be chopped and stored to dry off for the next year the winter coming you like chainsawing, don't you? I have been known to do a bit of chainsawing, yes. Usually uh, 
Rachel let me know when I shouldn't be doing it. If uh, if Tim and Rachel are doing a recording a podcast across the way, we uh, get told to stop the chainsawing, quite rightly. The other thing on a canal boat that I've never, ever done living in a house, really, is look at the temperature inside. When you wake up in the morning, we've got a clock that says both the time and the temperature, and looking at what temperature it is is as important as knowing what time it is before it is. you get out. <laughs> it is. Uh, and what, what have we had it but down to? That's the so inside far? temperature. <laughs> I mean, the outside temperature is one thing, but before you put a foot out, you want to know how cold it is inside. So it definitely is colder in, in the bedroom in the mornings, isn't mm-hmm. it? It's, it's the coldest part of the, of the boat, I think, because our bed is, uh, the foot of our bed is literally two feet away from our the main door. front door. Uh, and it have to have vents in the door in order to pass the safety certificate so we get a ventilation in the boat. So you can get quite a howl through, the, through there. Can't you? It does get cold in there. The insulation and the, the you know, condensation, this boat that we live on now is has got some insulation issues. It's got um, cold bridging of, of the metal, all the metal bits. Um, there's not enough insulation over them, so we get damp patches on the wood. Um, other boats are much better insulated. But unless you've got double glazing, which is quite rare on boats, you do get a lot of condensation on the window. So morning is about going down and wiping down your windows. Make sure you still have your ventilation because you do not block your ventilation. Excuse me. I wipe the windows down every morning after I've done the fire. Well, well, this is John's job, obviously. Um, Obviously. (laughs) It is now. He took it on and I'm letting him keep it. Yes, I do wipe the windows down. But yes. Get your fire going, keeps your boat nice and warm, dry, and uh, you feel good. Oh, and that condensation, it's the bane of my life. It's cold on the outside, and of course being warm inside, the condensation forms on not only the windows, but also on the metal structure of the boat inside, behind the wall panelling, behind the insulation. So it runs down the inside of the boat into the hull of the boat, the bottom of the boat, and I remember in our first winter here, I found an inch of water underneath the floorboards down by the bedroom, and I thought we were sinking. It turns out it's just bloody condensation. It goes away during the summer. So I stuffed nappies down there to try and absorb it all up. But it is very important to um, keep that ventilation uh, because you're burning solid fuel and you need to have um, some ventilation through. It's very, it's very, very tempting to block up the drafts and every year a couple of people die because of carbon monoxide poisoning because they've over their fire and damped down their drafts too much. We have uh, one, two, three carbon monoxide alarms because I'm slightly paranoid and smoke alarms just to be safe from that. Absolutely and when you do remove the ash make sure you can remove it from the inside of your boat. Uh, we have a proper ash can. I have known people just put it in a bucket and the carbon monoxide just coming off that ash if it's left inside the boat or in the crash and it can come inside the boat it's not very good being a bit of a budget boat it was fitted with a budget stove it was fitted with a potbelly stove and one night just before i went to bed i remember it, the canal was frozen outside i filled it right up with solid fuel and i was i was in bed reading and I then heard this almighty crunch that seemed to be from within the stove and then a roaring sound. Wondering what on earth had gone on, I opened up the ashtray door beneath it where you'd normally get the ash out and all of the hot coals fell out of the stove. And the way that the way that it was set up was I had my box of sticks and my box of kindling and all of that and my box of newspapers in front of the fire, so all the hot coals straight into the flammables. 
Now, flammables then very quickly, I had the presence of mind to put them straight out the window into the canal. Uh, littering did pick up afterwards, uh, but that put them out pretty quickly. But it didn't solve the fact that there were burning hot red coals all over my floor of the boat, about to burn holes through it, which could potentially have sunk me. Um, very quickly dealt with all of that and uh, went to bed with no fire, feeling pretty cold and pretty sick of boat life. The other thing you need to think about on a boat is you do need to keep your water tank topped up. What's brilliant about Hockley is we've got water taps by every single boat, so there's no excuse for not keeping it topped up. So that when the time comes that uh, the water tap freezes for a couple of weeks, um, you hopefully have still got some water on your boat. But an electric blanket has been a godsend. For electric a, blanket, yes. pyjamas. Thick uh, blanket on the top. Fake fur throw. And hot water bottles, all those yeah. sort of things. They all work. But you're right, the temperature in there what did we we had that down now to 11 or 12 is a cold morning yeah and then it's interesting because you're just more aware of what's going on outside but you wake up in the morning and if the thermometer says that it's um 15 degrees in the bedroom you're like oh it didn't get very cold overnight did it because it's 15 degrees in the bedroom yeah it's a big difference I'm, but actually and that, it's really difficult to get a sense for how how cold 11 degrees is mm. but Quite it's cold. A, it's cold isn't it <laughs> again this is like going back to the 30s as well when when you didn't uh when when you sort of wake up in the morning, you can see your breath, and you—I uh, don't think we've seen our breath yet, have we? Not indoors. Not indoors, but it is blooming cold, isn't it? The first winter you had the boat was a really unusually cold winter, wasn't it? So was it the winter of twenty seventeen, I think, and or twenty seventeen going into eighteen, and we had snow in November, and then several times on, um, but it was a real baptism of whatever the opposite of baptism by fire is, baptism by of ice. ice. Because um, it was really cold, and people said to us in the spring, our new boating friends said, "Oh, if you could survive a winter like that, you could survive anything." Oh, what Is a, he a winter! Pirate? Yes. Oh, I think it was Ian. <laughs> he does talk a bit like that. <laughs> if you could survive a winter like that on a boat, then you'll be all right. You'll do okay. It's cold, but it's lovely. It's cold, and we got used to it, haven't we? So you know, big thick jumpers. My daughter's knitted me some very nice sort of woolly slippers, mm. and I love wearing those around here. You've just got to tog up for it, haven't you? As the crew will testify enthusiastically, I have made some absolutely awful mistakes in winter boating. I've been over ambitious about journeys. The canals are non-tidal. They're shallow. They can freeze very quickly. There was a time when we went into Birmingham city centre, which is, you know, a couple of miles at most, late afternoon, one lovely winter's day to go to um, a dinner. And then by lunchtime the next day, the canal had pretty much frozen over. So when we woke up and wanted to bring the boat just back to Hockley, we were cracking the ice to come back. And yeah, it, it's fun up to a point, but it's not great for the boat. And sometimes the ice just is too thick to get through. Now, last week, Tim and Rachel wonderfully recorded crashing through the ice on the way to pump out. The lovely thing about ice in winter is that your mattress level is about the waterline level, isn't it? Oh, yes. Um, if you can be lying in bed and your neighbours across the way will move slight, just slightly, and it will cause all the ice in that basin to crack and creak and groan. And you hear that through the hull. And for me, that's one of my favourite sounds of winter on a boat. I was really surprised the other day when we came back from having our toilet pumped out, when we were cracking through the ice with the boat, that the paint had been chipped off the front of the boat. 
the bow is all back to bare metal where the ice had been sort of chipping it away. So I've had to wait for a couple of days to get a nice dry day and put a bit more blacking on, leaning over the front of the boat trying to get down to the waterline and black all the exposed metal. And that's been just chipped away by the ice on the canal. Amazing. Uh, and when it melts, it's not easy either. My worst error was to keep going. We were doing a loop that got us as far as Braunston and back and we got trapped at Braunston in the ice and we both had to get back to work so that all got extremely tricky and we got the dogs then so yes it all got very complicated when the ice melts you still can't move because the ice sort of melts and expands and you have all this slush so the more you try and barge into it to to get somewhere the uh, thicker and more solid it gets and we did have the most terrible time trying to get back from Braunston we had to wait and wait until quite a lot of um, thawing had happened and luckily quite a few of the locks on the way back are double locks because there were still bits of ice floating around you couldn't open the lock gates all the way i wound up bringing the boat back single-handed for quite a bit of the way and that meant walking round the locks laboriously opening each of the double gates trying to get in it was a right game and of course it's quite slippery you have to be really extra careful to make sure you don't have some sort of accident i'll tell you another thing i really hate about winter on oh, the boat what do you hate about winter on the boat is the mud that we bring oh, inside yeah. oh my goodness and in autumn the leaves there's oh, more leaves inside leaves. than outside. <laughs> they do. And because the bed is right close to the front door, your bedroom is just always full of mud and leaves. It's like I mean, living in a cave. <laughs> <laughs> Some people have crumbs in the bed, not us. Mud and leaves. Classy. Another time, I thought I was keeping quite an eye on the, on the weather. Uh, only went as far as Windmill End, which isn't very far from here. It's it's sort of about three hours boating. And again, the canals just froze and I was stuck there for, I guess, a couple of weeks, starting to run out of water, did run out of coal. One stage, a bag of coal wound up being sort of sloshed across the frozen canal, hoping it didn't break the ice and fall in. So you do have to be a little bit careful and cross your fingers, really. I mean, what, one thing that's been great because it's been winter and we haven't been eating out and stuff as much. So we're still obviously we haven't been eating out at all. So we're still having to do our weekly shop and store it all somewhere, which was difficult in the warm weather. We've got a little box on the front of the boat, which we call the outside fridge, which we've yeah, been that's, storing. Yeah, that's interesting. Isn't it? That's, that's one of the benefits of the winter time here, isn't it? That Because our, our fridge is so small. We can now put it all just out on the front of the boat. Yeah, because doing a big weekly shop may work if you live yeah. in a house, but it's not very easy when you live on the boat if you want to buy lots of fresh stuff. Uh, what else is nice in winter? Um, <laughs> not much at the moment, I'm afraid. I'm at the end of my weeks about this. So, yeah, here we are. We're in lockdown number three. We have been told to expect this till the end of February. And it's tough living on a boat. We don't have very many options. We've made our lives even smaller than it already was, but we're but we're we're happy. So here we are, a living example of Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Winter on canal boats appears to focus the mind and prioritise needs: warmth, water, and lose. We can hear evidence of thoughts about health and community, but I suspect we're a little way off yet talking about self-esteem and achieving one's full potential. But as with everything else, let's be hopeful. Thanks for listening. Please subscribe to hear next week's episode, where we'll be talking about vaccines and its impact on the canals. 
Thanks also to our contributors who make all their recordings in the safety of their own cosy boats. Thank you.